one way or the other, regardless, after you go up on a pitch like that, your heart is pounding. It's electric. It, it's a whole feeling. But like, honestly, man, it, I took that hard. You know, like I said, the, the effort, the excitement, the expectations were there. Like, I feel like I earned the right to take it hard. You know, I'll give myself that. Like, we earned the right to be there. And I did enough to give myself a chance to succeed. And it just didn't happen. Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear my discussion with Jeff from Better Vision, which is the first all-in-one sports betting and fantasy sports aggregator. This was a unique episode that had a heavy emphasis on something we haven't discussed much on the podcast before, which is what happens when you bomb a pitch on a public and high-profile stage. Jeff opens up about his experience with this at the recent SBC Summit North America event and gives us a very vulnerable account of what happened and how he responded. We also talk about how Better Vision is helping to unify the user experience across fantasy sports and betting, how they're thinking about user acquisition, and their current fundraising journey to raise $2 million in a challenging macro environment. I really appreciated Jeff's openness in this conversation, and I'm sure you'll agree after hearing it. But first, we're packing our bags and getting ready to descend upon downtown Toronto next week for the Canadian Gaming Summit. If you're still on the fence about attending, there's still tickets available to join me and over 2,000 other confirmed attendees, which you can find by visiting www.sbcevents.com. And make sure to use promo code BETTINGSTARTUPSVIP for $200 off your ticket, and we'll see you next week in Toronto. All right, we are back with episode 69 of the Betting Startups podcast, and this one has a bit of an interesting backstory. Uh, the first thing I'll mention here is that the podcast guest list has about a four-month backlog, yet today's guest has fully jumped the queue. Uh, I met Jeff and Brett from Better Vision last month in New Jersey at the SBC Summit North America conference. They were one of the five companies selected to present in the first pitch competition. But as sometimes happens, the pitch didn't go exactly as planned. And while I'm sure that was a bit disappointing in the moment for them, it does serve as a great learning opportunity, not only for them, but hopefully for other founders as well. So for that reason, I've asked Jeff from Better Vision to jump on this episode and talk a little bit about that. And of course, everything else he and the team at Better Vision are up to. So Jeff, you're a great sport for being willing to address this uncomfortable topic in this forum. So first and foremost, welcome to the podcast. A few weeks has now passed since we met in New Jersey. So how have you been keeping since then? Oh, I've been great, man. Uh, it's been it's really fantastic to be here. Um, before we get into all that madness about what happened there, I really just want to quickly thank you on behalf of the startup community. I mean, your commitment to giving emerging companies a platform to tell their story uh, is really important and extremely appreciated. So really, thanks for everything you do. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, it has been uh, a solid couple of weeks since the uh, SPC, as you mentioned. Uh, things did not go exactly according to plan, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but as with everything and being an entrepreneur, it's about reacting and making the most out of a situation and really just capitalizing on every opportunity you have, uh, which brings us to now. And again, I'm extremely thankful to be here. Right on. Well, look, appreciate all the kind words there and uh, happy to have you here. So let's just get right into it, Jeff. Maybe before we sort of get into this story from SBC, uh, before we get there, maybe we can just quickly learn a little bit about yourself. If you could spend a couple minutes up front here, given the folks listening, a bit of a sense of your background and maybe some of the major chapters of your journey up until co-founding Better Vision. Yeah, man, that seems like a fairly appropriate place to start, right? So again, Jeff Doyle, um, I co-founded a company called Better Vision, which is the only app that combines traditional fantasy, DFS, and sports betting accounts in one place. Um, I grew up outside of Boston. I had a pretty standard uh, suburban childhood where I uh, played just about every sport because that's, that's what kids do, kids do in my town, and it's uh, frankly cheaper than a babysitter. Um, after that, I went to North Carolina, uh, where I majored in business and went on to be a marketing consultant for about a decade. 
Um, my specialty was in product launch and go-to-market strategy in the telecom space. And I was fortunate enough to roll out a national wireless product when I work with Comcast called Xfinity Wi-Fi. I found that uh, network name has likely appeared on all of your, your U.S. listeners' phone at some point. Um, so apologies in advance for that, guys, but I, I rolled that one out. And, you know, my time there was great. I've stopped trying to be uh, not cliche about this because it, it just doesn't work. I have straight up just always wanted to work in sports. So I decided to go to grad school at Northwestern and jumpstart the career change. I am readily aware that roughly uh, 99% of all dudes want to work in some point, sports in some capacity, but it's about who's going to take that next step and take the, uh, do the things needed to make the career transition happen. I will say one of the things that I never wanted to, thought it was going to be was an entrepreneur. My plan was to really leverage my analytical background to get a job with either like a, a professional sports organization or an agency really that specializes in sports marketing. But you know, while I was there, I wrote my thesis on the potential impact of peer-to-peer -peer sports betting. And you know, through a series of conversations, I got connected to a company called Wager that was doing a lot of things that I wrote about, albeit in a more uh, clean way. But uh, you know, based on my background and my pleading, uh, they brought me on as a launch consultant. And it was awesome. I definitely caught the startup bug and I really can't thank them enough for that opportunity. But you know, it, it's funny, once you get into the startup game, you really want to own it yourself. And, you know, as much as I consider myself a product owner of Wager, because I, you know, it was my thesis that I wrote myself, that really wasn't the case. I, I, it was time to build something on my, completely on my own if I wanted to do that and uh, build it from the ground up. So at the same time, my co-founder, Brett, uh, and I were really lamenting the lack of aggregation tools for average crossover consumers in the sports betting and fantasy space. And after some initial research to see if there was any there there, or if this was just a really isolated incident, we discovered huge segments of uh, consumers experiencing the same pain points and honestly just decided to run with that. Awesome. Well, we'll come back to all the stuff you guys are up to at Better Vision in a few minutes, Jeff. But mm -hmm. I guess just sort of sticking with, uh, you know, your newfound uh, foray into entrepreneurship, part of being a founder is delivering pitches, whether that be to customers, partners, investors, whomever. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we've noted at the opening here, um, you know, you pitched a few weeks ago at the SBC Summit North America show. Kudos, by the way, for even being one of the five selected. I do happen to know that there was a long list of entrants this year and the field was hyper competitive. So even getting the invite to be on stage there uh, is a huge accomplishment unto itself. But, you know, you did get up on stage there. You know, that day I was moderating the pitch competition. I didn't have any official role as far as the judges go. So, you know, when everybody was up there pitching, I was literally just another audience member. And, you know, your pitch, I guess, uh, you can say maybe didn't go according to plan. And I'd love to spend a few minutes here up front, Jeff, talking a little bit about that. And maybe, I guess, just for the benefit of folks listening that weren't there that day or haven't seen the content on demand after the fact, it'd be great if you could just maybe sort of set the scene and provide a little bit of context about kind of, you know, what was going on and ultimately like what happened up there and, and just kind of set the stage. And then maybe we'll pull on the thread after that. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think you said it well. Um, it was a very awesome experience and just a thrill to be included in there. Like I said, it, it, this is the biggest sports betting conference in North America. And we were very aware of that. We were absolutely thrilled to be included in the list of participants because, you know, we really only came up with this in late 2021. Since that time, uh, we made some real solid progress. We won a few pitch competitions. We raised enough money to build an app that was approved by Apple. And I mean, really enough progress to put ourselves in a position to be selected as one of those five startups to participate in the first pitch. You know, this is a huge opportunity for a young company. And Brett and I were very aware of that, you know, we put in the work to refine the pitch for the audience. We did, we found that cheesy story that comes full circle at the end. You know, all the stuff that you really want in a pitch that makes people feel good about themselves and connects with the audience. And 
fuck, man. When the time came, you know, I just got up there and I completely froze thanks to some good old fashioned stage fright and I bombed. You know, I still can't believe it. You know, and as as disappointed as I was and I still am, honestly, uh, now I think I have an interesting story to tell, you know, a learning story. It's one of them, one of the things I love about your podcast as well. Well, it's important to celebrate those wins and you and your guests do a great job not shying away from the tough parts while being an entrepreneur. You know, I've heard great messages like um, embracing the journey and like uh, stuff like welcoming the chaos of the life you've chosen. And I agree with all those things that they're, they're, they're right. But they usually talked about abstractly, and that's not doesn't do enough for me. They're not nearly on the same level as those ridiculous LinkedIn posts that tell me to look at problems as opportunities. Of course, those are on another planet. But I always get more out of real life examples. And as much as it sucks to say, I've got one here. And if my story can help some people, I'd really love to tell it. So a lot of people ask, like, you know, what happened? Like, how did it all go down? And honestly, man, I have pretty much asked myself the uh, the same question like hundreds of times since the conference usually with a, an expletive or two in there as well. Um, but, you know, how I've been kind of describing it is that sometimes pitches and presentations don't go as well as you hoped. And you, you start asking yourself, like, what happened or times? And let's be honest, I mean, there are times where it's pretty obvious. Like, sometimes I'll ask my question after a presentation in the corporate world and then like, really, man, what happened? Did you really need to watch the second half of that Titans-Falcons game on Thursday night? That was just god-awful. Probably not. And so very, those are the easy, you can be honest with yourself, but you know, not this time, the effort was there. Like I mentioned, this is just a straight up panic job. And another way I've been describing it is, you know, bear with me here. I love movies and especially really bad movies. There's a classic thinking man movies called thinking man's movie called the replacements where Keanu Reeves talks about quicksand being his biggest fear. And you know, the metaphor he talks about is when you're playing and things are going well, sometimes things go wrong, then something else goes wrong. Then a third things go wrong. And it seems like the harder you fight, the worse it gets until you are completely over your head. And as ridiculous as it sounds, it turns out Keanu is both a poet and a psychic because that is literally exactly what I felt like. I slipped up in my opening comments. I kept it going a bit before I realized that my slip up impacted later comments. So I tried to go back and fix that. And then I lost my place and I tried to pick that bag up and I grabbed my phone and that was a complete disaster. And then I messed up the slides later on. And you know, man, it's one of those things I, I really... I aspire to things, uh, to re to things cool. Like I love when people just go with the flow and react to things. And honestly, I always expected to regain my footing and that really never happened, which is just brutal. So, you know, I was proud of the way I bounced back for Q and a, but by that point, as you know, the, the, the damage has already been done. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the, the way you responded in that moment, I mean, I was standing beside the stage sort of watching you and, and so see it all go down in real time. And I, I, I sensed kind of what was coming there and how it was all about to, to shake out. Um, I was hoping that would be the case, but it was, but I got to say, uh, Jeff, like your response in the moment on stage was like a very human one, right? Like you acknowledged mm -hmm. what was going on. You, you didn't, you know, you, you didn't sugarcoat it. Um, you acknowledged kind of where, where you were at and that's all you can really do, right? Least of which, you know, you had this big clock in front of you counting down the seconds from a three-minute pitch, which isn't very long to start with, right? So you literally have this like clock counting down, you're you're, you're flustered, the lights are bright, it's warm in there, mm -hmm. like all of these things. Um, I get it. So, you know, I got I got to give you credit. Like you responded really well in in the moment. You you owned it. Uh, you made the best out of uh, what was, you know, maybe, maybe not the outcome you, you would hope for at the start of it. And uh, no, I, really I really appreciate that, man. And it was uh, it, it was one of those things like you feel so many so many emotions right after the pitch, right? I mean, like the, one way or the other, regardless, after you go up on a pitch like that, your heart is pounding, it's electric, it, it's a whole feeling. But like, honestly, man, it, I took that hard. You know, like I said, the, the effort 
the excitement, the expectations were there. Like, I feel like I earned the right to take it hard. You know, I'll give myself that. Like, we earned the right to be there. And I did enough to give myself a chance to succeed. And it just didn't happen. So, you know, initially hung around the lobby of the conference room for a bit because, like, really, I felt like I couldn't run away at that point. I had to stay there and, like, just let it, let it simmer for a while. And one thing I'm so thankful for is I actually had some awesome conversations that I'd like to circle back on later during that time. You know, I was a bit of a fog um, in my own little world when people come up to me being like, hey, you know, get them next time, blah, blah, blah. But after that, you know, I needed to have my own reaction as well. I was like kind of numb to the situation. So, you know, parking garage over next to the convention center. Yeah, I know. Yep. Yeah. I just, just had to be alone for a bit. So I went there and I just sat, you know. It's so weird to say this has never happened to me before, but like I was just stuck there. You know, just trying to process what happened for like 15 minutes. You know, it was just so weird and terrible. Like, I was just absolutely stuck there. I mean, based on the last uh, couple of runs here I did and how good I felt about them, I thought it was like much more likely to carry it off on the judge's shoulders with chariots of fire somehow playing in the background after that before uh, than to do what I did in that performance. You know, th that was tough to just even like grasp uh, to put my head around there. But from there, you know, th that, that shock then turns to embarrassment and... You know, I don't want to be fully transparent about being honest about this. I think all of us who come in entrepreneurs have some level of ego to think that we can just like pull off whatever we're trying to do. And that simply was not what I expected out of myself. And to do it on that stage was just brutal, you know. Uh, and then the, after there, the embarrassment turns quickly into dread because <laughs> as much as I just wanted to grab a six pack and head back to the hotel, watch Tommy Boy, the only really thing I could do in that situation, couldn't do in that situation, excuse me, was nothing, right? I mean, that's how it lose which is just not an option. And, you know, for when I finally got off my ass and started working my way back into the, the conference, you know, Matt Damon has a, a great line in Rounders where he's heading back into uh, Teddy KGB's place where he says, I felt like Buckner walking back into Shea. <laughs> and it was like, exactly what it felt like walking back into that convention center. Um, but I got to give my dad a shout out here. He was uh, extremely helpful. Um, growing up, uh, he always taught me to get out of my comfort zone. He talked about the importance of really like getting uncomfortable being uncomfortable, which is just like a, basic premise but something that you know if you aren't challenging yourself if you're always comfortable like that that's that's not a good way to, to approach life so i really <laughs> tried to lean on that because fuck, man, i felt very uncomfortable in that moment but you know that's what's being an entrepreneur you, you can't let that feeling overcome you and i'm really glad i didn't um you know later in this conference i figured what's the worst that could happen to me it's already happened i was walking up talking to everyone and uh one thing that i was previously too nervous to do mind you i'm a 41 year old man um was talk to matthew berry at a previous conference i just went up to him and completely made a u-turn went to the bar got a drink and didn't happen but diving right in this time walked up to him made a self-deprecating comment had a few laughs with him connected on linkedin Turns out he was on your podcast shortly after that, talking about a failure he had growing up and making his way. And, and like, it's just great to hear that this is out there. Also had a great conversation with a couple of guys from AWS about a potential partnership down the line. And th they also said something that really helped me a lot. It's like when I was being all self-deprecating, which is just a, a coping mechanism I go with it. It works. Guy Jason said, honestly, man, it sounds like you did a really shitty job talking about an awesome product. And that was helpful. You know, I mean. Did I temporarily close some doors that might have opened otherwise if I nailed the pitch? Anyway, but it's still a viable business with a huge growth potential despite the pitch. And that was very great to hear in that moment. Well, as cliche as it all is, Jeff, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Sounds like that's the case here. You have a very positive mindset that you've taken from all of that. And I guess with that all you know, said and done, let's talk a bit about the business now. I know you are not completely happy with the three-minute pitch you delivered there that day. So why don't we redo it right now, run it back, 
take the next three-ish minutes and tell the listeners a little bit about Better Vision and uh, give them a sense of what you and the team are up to. And we'll drill down from there after that. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Uh, and like B-Rabbit, I'll go acapella with the slides here. Um, diving right in. Uh, so essentially, I'm Jeff, co-founder of Better Vision, uh, the only app that combines all your sportsbook, DFS, and fantasy accounts in one place. And as an avid crossover consumer, uh, meaning someone who participates in both sports betting and fantasy sports, it's electrifying to be up here right now. Surreal, even. And that is not lost on me. Because my story in this industry started no differently than most of the other 41 million crossover consumers with fantasy sports. My buddy and I drafted our first league on one computer using AOL in, my, in his living room, and I was hooked. Shout out to all the older millennials out there who heard that terrible modem connecting sound when I said AOL there. That is truly the sound of our generation. But after that, I went up to college, created a league with my roommates. Same thing with work colleagues. Flash forward to D, uh, 2016 with DFS getting legalized and 2018 in sports betting getting legalized. And before you know it, I have 10 apps that I need to manage. Not great, Bob, but this is the reality for many crossover consumers. And despite spending over $80 billion on fantasy tools, DFS contests, and bets last year, there's nothing across the three verticals to help this growing segment of competitive entertainment seekers maximize their accounts. And at the same time, sportsbooks are spending billions on marketing as they jockey for position. But with nearly two-thirds of bettors using at least three apps, operators are building campaigns based on only a sliver of user behavior. And furthermore, seven out of 10 sports bettors also play fantasy sports and none of that activity is leveraged, which is how we discovered that both consumers and operators need a solution where fans can sync their accounts onto one platform. A more convenient and informed user experience for consumers that also offered marketers a treasure chest of data. With Better Vision, we cut through the noise by only showing our users their best odds for each bet based on their linked accounts. We also proactively alert them when a sportsbook where they don't have an account offers the best value. And our easy-to-digest dashboard provides quick updates on all their bets and matchups, so they can then brag to their friends or commiserate losses in our community section, which then keeps them in the flywheel. Since these features were designed to maximize crossover consumer value, many are surprised that our app is free. But we know that data is the new oil. We can offer a free app to consumers and monetize our unrivaled data. Right now, we're generating some initial revenue through affiliate partnerships while CPAs are still high, but as the market matures and Wall Street continues their pressure on operators to become more profitable, we're going to be uniquely positioned to op optimize our partners' marketing spend through a hyper-targeting. And while the integration of fantasy accounts might not seem overly sexy, the economics behind it certainly are. Betting customers are five to seven times more expensive to acquire than fantasy customers, and we already know that 70% of sports bettors play fantasy. By leveraging these fantasy channels, we can cheaply acquire crossover consumers and get a head start on states where sports betting has yet to be legalized. Over the past year, we've integrated or partnered with 13 sportsbooks, seven traditional fantasy operators, and two DFS apps. We have operating licenses in 19 markets, and I'm proud to say that Better Vision is approved and live on the App Store, actively piping in odds and game info and account data for our beta users. But the thing I'm most proud of is our team. Steven, our head engineer, is one of the few people with the experience building a sports betting app from the ground up. And Brett is a brilliant West Point leadership instructor whose superpowers are determination and positivity. We understand the pain points of our target audience because we've been them since literally the days of that hideous dial-up connect, dial connection noise. And we've built a platform that gives both consumers and operators a more connected experience. Boom. Beep. Mic drop. <laughs> now, in theory, if I did that once upon a time. <laughs> uh, you dialed it in. I appreciate you playing ball with that, Jeff. Cool. I'd love to spend a couple of minutes and, and just talk a bit more about Better Vision then. And, and as I say, drill down a little bit into what you guys are up to. So you sort of, I think, maybe preempted some of my questions here. But one thing I, I was curious about before we jumped on today is 
the value proposition, as I understand it, and certainly one of your key product differentiators is the aggregation across those three verticals you mentioned, fantasy, DFS, and betting. Curious sort of how big of a problem you think this is. And I guess in other words, like what percent of the market is playing across all three verticals with a high enough frequency to necessitate an aggregated view of them all? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I love where your head's at. I like to say that I got this idea in the genesis of the company through my own pain points. I mentioned I live in Chicago. I'm married to two kids and that is just fancy talk for I have no social life. Um, my wife has been kind enough to indulge my uh, ridiculous habits of participating in fantasy sports, DFS and sports betting for decades at this point. Um, and lets me go to the bar for three hours every Sunday. That's my happy place. I get to watch, follow all my teams, watch my Pats. Apologies for anyone's not a Pats fan, but we're down this year. Yeah, every, every, sweet comeuppance coming my way. But as ridiculous as it is to say, my experience was getting negatively impacted by how many leagues I was in and how much, how many things I had to track. Like I would see a long Kelsey touchdown and go to talk shit to my buddy who I'm playing in one league and also expect to hear something te terrible from another buddy who I'm going against. Also see how it impacts my DFS contest. And also I have the under in the Chiefs game. I'm in trouble here. How do all these things happen? So I wasn't in the moment and I'm a fan at the end of the day. So I just want to be present in those things without being on my phone. So while I did think it was a ridiculous prospect, it turns out I'm very much not alone here. There's 41 million crossover consumers out there that I mentioned. I mentioned that the 70% of sports bettors also participate in fantasy and overall 60% of all uh, participants in those three states where sports betting is legal as participate in all three. Um, I also feel like that this number is going to grow over time. As we talk, you know, right now that 71% of the crossover consumers is the current market. And once states like North Carolina, Texas, Florida, California, and combined with the ultimate, uh, the reduced negative stigma associated with the sport, there's little reason to think that this segment is going to explode. We're trying to get ahead of that explosion. And we definitely do think that it's going to be a viable problem as more states start to bring sports betting into the forefront. I always ask this question to everybody that is launching a sort of consumer facing mobile app, right? Obviously, just from a user mm -hmm. acquisition perspective, it's notoriously costly and complex to sort of acquire users at scale. At the early stage, you guys are at sort of how are you thinking about user acquisition? Maybe some, maybe what are some of like the go to market uh, channels or tactics you guys are using to acquire the initial users? Yeah, man, I just love love this question in general. And to your point, it's just a phenomenal question for anyone uh, in this space right now or any industry. But like I mentioned previously, it's a lot cheaper to acquire those crossover consumers leveraging fantasy channels. Um, so by the time this podcast is posted, we will either be on our way or already in Cleveland next week for the uh, FSGA summer conference. And one of our major goals at that point is to partner with some micro influencers in the space. You know, we are a new brand in the, in the industry. In addition to getting the word out there, we want to build our credibility. And by partnering with people who are well-known and respected, maybe not as well-known as some of the other macro influencers, we're going to build that institutional credibility and also get the word out. One other thing that we're trying to do is meet our customers where they are. So some sort of guerrilla slash event marketing. I spent a hilarious part of my time this winter going bar to bar in Chicago, trying to establish partnerships uh, with some of the local spaces. And we've done that. It has resonated extremely well. So we are able to either go in sort of on an ad hoc basis or send in brand ambassadors to give out koozies and encourage downloads from there. We're going to be continuing this primarily focus on the Northeast and the Midwest for football games and tailgates, just because that is a higher concentration of those in close areas. Uh, as much as I want to do everything in Chicago, turns out there's not a lot of action aside from the actual bars, which is a robust scene. The last thing that we're super excited about is SEO. Again, we don't have the budget to compete with our partners, and we know that. We frankly don't probably don't have the budget to compete with an action network out there that's established themselves at this point as well. But 
Leveraging ChatGPT for research and structure to increase the volume and the quality of the articles that we can put out is a lot different than it was before the introduction of ChatGPT. We're trying to teach it right now to talk in a way that replicates our fun, snarky brand voice that we're trying to establish. Um, and we really are going to lean into that uh, with the help of a couple interns that we have on the board for the summer uh, to really get that ball rolling. And then, you know, you also mentioned, I guess, you know, at scale, you'll have all of the sort of aggregated user data and, and sort of user performance data. How, I guess, are you guys thinking about leveraging the insights that come from that? And, and just sort of like, where does that factor into the business model ultimately for, for Better Vision? And now we're talking about good stuff here. Okay, let's get into it. What we really want to focus on is personalization. Instead of overwhelming consumers with, uh, I don't want to say irrelevant, but maybe not directly relevant promos or expert picks, we're going to suggest bets and contests that offer hedging or arbitrage opportunities based on their interests, fantasy roster insights, and the previous behavior and performance. I'd like to use examples to really draw out the, uh, the, the value prop. Um, let's say someone has Josh Allen on their fantasy team and they're down 22 points heading into Monday Night versus the Jets on that first week one. By analyzing our users' entire portfolio of activity, we now have a hedging opportunity in our hands. If the user places a prop bet that effectively amounts to less than 22 fantasy points, they're guaranteed to either win their fantasy matchup, which by the way, they've already paid for it to be a part of, or their bet. Now, many people actively hedge within sports betting itself, but this principle is yet to be applied across, uh, across verticals, and we would love to tap into that upside. By doing this, this also allows us to help consumers become better bettors. You know, by providing insights, alerts on performance based on multi-factor analysis, we can really just show betters where they have biases, where they might have blind spots, be overconfident, or how they make poor decisions. I'm going to raise my hand up as an absolute moron. Uh, in game three of the Celtics uh, heat game, where they got their doors blown off, I was able, convinced that they were going to win the game. So like money line bet them to win. And then I did a second half live bullet on their, it was like plus 11 or something at that point. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to win despite the fact that they had shown nothing to indicate that they're going to win it all. But that's a blind spot for me. I always think the Celtics are coming back. Frankly, this bet was placed after a couple of cold ones. That's also a blind spot for me. So by proactively letting people know that it's probably not a good idea to place bets after you've hung out at the bar for a couple of hours, we really do think that this will ultimately lead to more responsible gaming habits for our consumers because we don't want this to be an ugly thing. At its best, sports betting is a fun social activity that we're trying to tap into and really just improve the overall experience. Awesome. We'll leave uh, sort of the products and the value prop there for a minute. I'd like to spend a minute as well just talking about the, the funding journey. I mean, as you mentioned at the outset uh, in, in your wonderful three-minute pitch, uh, you guys have hit a number <laughs> of milestones already, right, in terms of just integration with, with operators and sort of supporting that ecosystem. Um, some of the affiliate licenses you hold across, I think, what you said, 19 states or something like that. Obviously, mm -hmm. all of this takes resources to put together. So I'm just curious if you can talk a bit about any sort of previous funding activity you guys have done and also sort of any current fundraising plans you might have for whether it be now or maybe later this year. Uh, happy to. This, this, this is always a, a huge part of being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, like, uh, oh, I'd love to be an entrepreneur, but I don't like fundraising. If some, someone told me one time, I was like, oh, okay. Like, where does that get you then? Are you independently wealthy? Because otherwise it's going to be a tough sled here. But at the same time, it truly is tough sledding out there. Um, we're hearing a lot of like, this is really the hardest time to raise that we've seen in the last handful of years. Like it, there's just not the funding out there that we can fall back on. And it's always great to hear, right? But I referenced our situation to Bane and the darkness from uh, Dark Knight Rises. I don't know if you remember that one scene, but the, <laughs> the metaphor I'll use is a better vision was born in the down cycle. We've been molded by this. I'm not going to do the Bane voice because I'm actually terrible at it. So you're welcome. 
But my point here is like, I really have no basis for comparison. I don't know how bad it actually is out there because this is all I know. I know it's a grind. I expect it to be grind and I can confirm that it is. I think one cool thing about there that there's like, we're just getting through it, you know, like everyone else. At this point, we're in our pre-seed round. We've raised over 1.3 million um, and have a number of interested investors in the funnel right now. And we're essentially just running a fundraising process that's going to have us wrapped up for the next couple of months that we expect to close at around 2 million. That's the goal. Once the football season starts, we're going to raise a uh, priced seed round once we've established that product market fit. But yeah, we, we, we have tapped into the family and friends to start off once that got done. We really, really did our damage in the angel network. We got one VC to say yes as well. And really that has just been the, the journey thus far. Awesome. Well, I mean, congrats on all of that. That's extremely validating, particularly in these market conditions that you've alluded to, that uh, everybody's sort of feeling the pain, I guess, of, of the current sort of capital market environment. But uh, no, credit to you and the team for for uh, bucking that trend. And well, I guess when, Jeff, one, like, one thing is when you're when you're as compelling of a pitch artist as I am, it's very easy, especially when you open doors for yourselves. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, you sort of alluded to it, but, uh, you know, we're about halfway through the year. Obviously, the second half of the year, we have all of the new U.S. sporting leagues flashing up, most crucially NFL. Uh, I guess as you look ahead to the second half of the year, what are some of the major milestones you and the team are focused on? So essentially, the big things that, that we have come down the pipe right here are the uh, building of our Android app. You know, right now, when we started, we were Apple only. It's all about just getting that in market and sprinting to do everything we can. And sorry, Android users, we'll get to you. We finally reached the point where we are getting to the Android users. We've had, um, you know, one of the difficult things after you bomb a pitch is that Friday, I had two final pitches to go ahead and go ahead and get some money in. So as much as all you want to do is bury your head in the pillow, you got to get off your ass and make, you know, close those deals. And I'm happy to say that we did. Um, another thing that we're doing is really paying attention to the back end. Uh, as you imagine, when we sprinted, we did not have the full systems in place to scale properly. And right now what we're doing is getting everything in place that when the time comes to turn on marketing, we are going to be ready to rock and expand in every category. So we don't have to worry about scale. Uh, one of the things that was giving me crazy heartburn uh, when we first launched the app is when it was crashing. You know, that is something that was completely unacceptable. We had a crash rate that was over, over 15% for a minute, which is just not the way you want to do business. But at this point, we have resolved the things. We're down below 1% and we just want to improve the experience and make it faster and quicker and better for football season when that comes. And frankly, that is going to be the big thing for us. Then from that, it's just turning on the marketing. But that's the fun part, right, though? I mean, like, we do this because we like building. We do this because we like executing. We do this, you know, the fundraising and the angst, and that's all part of it. But like, man, once you get that check and you can dive in, that's that's the fun part of what gets me up in the morning. And then I guess if you looked into your crystal ball in front of you there and you extend the timeline out five years, looking into the crystal ball, five years into the future, Jeff, and your wildest dreams, what does life look like for Better Vision? Yeah, that's great. This was a fun one too, because again, you don't want to say you're going to be king of the castle here, but it's fun to be aspirational this part and really have the, the, the conviction that you're going to get there. So, you know, in five years, if you can ask us what we are, Better Vision essentially has the entire suite of operators across each of the three verticals integrated in our platform. We're going to be operating all 46 of the legal states. And I seem that Utah, Idaho, Hawaii, and Alaska are not going to be you know, diving right into to participate anytime soon. But we're also going to have the southern six Canadian provinces, British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, and Saskatchewan, I think was the other one we, we prioritized. But essentially, at this in five years, we'll have captured most of the early adopters in the industry. And now we're focused, you know, we've crossed that chasm, so to speak. We're focusing on the early majority and more of those novice betters to pay, create a more robust uh, ecosystem of users that really crosses all the spectrum of, uh, of behavior. 
Awesome. That leads us to our standard closing question, Jeff. Uh, it's this. I know you've heard it before. I'll quickly rattle it off. If you weren't working on Better Vision or in any previous career chapters, including installing national cell networks, things like that, <laughs> in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead? Uh, Jesse, I am going to get that. And if it's okay with you, can I go ahead and do one other thing real quick and get back to something that I touched on earlier about the importance of a network real quick? I know we're up at it, but like, there is one thing that I just want to use this time to circle back and say thank you for some folks uh, to, to really support me. You know, I mentioned that I had some great conversations with folks um, after after the event, and it just occurred to me how important how important it is a personal and uh, professional support network is for life and a founder. You know, like those conversations were fantastic. Being an entrepreneur is often like it's an isolated game, call it what it is. And if there's any founders out there without that safety net. A big part of me being on today was hopefully my story lets them know that they're very much not alone. If they're, if they're feeling down after, after a tough day at the office, know that everyone goes through this. Um, you know, my personal support team was fantastic. My wife is my biggest fan. I hit the lottery there. My kids were even supported. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. But uh, one of the reasons my son, I was feeling down was this. This is how he emotes. I'm sorry you suck so bad, dad. Or I'm sorry you, stink, you stunk so bad, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, son. Great stuff. <laughs> Um, but you know, my, my other family, our friends kept asking about it to the point where I was pretty annoyed about having to relieve the trauma, but you know, it was helpful. And you know, I, I mentioned the previous, the converse, previous conversations I had, you know, guys like Will from Better Fantasy, Chase from Champions Round, um, Evan, who used to be at Penn, Brandon from Sharp Rank, Jason from AWS, you know, there's, those are the ones I could think of right away. I'm sure if I was more present in the moment, there's others, but like, there's good people out there and that's great to realize that. So if you're ever feeling alone. Just try and find someone good. And I promise you within this industry, you're going to find them. Sorry. Thanks for that uh, soapbox right there. But getting back to that closing question, I really do feel like I was on the right path to work for a team. You know, I had the analytical background from marketing strategy. I was getting the direct team experience through my research role at uh, that sports marketing agency that would given also given me the connections I needed to make that change. So well, let's say that that would have been the job. And if we're going to play it out one more. How much fun would it be to be on the Blackhawks right now and know that Connor Bedard is going to be the face of the franchise in a couple of months and being tasked with like maximizing his impacts across impact across both the Blackhawks the Blackhawks organization? I just feel like that would be just a great gig, and that's sort of what I was angling myself to be. Awesome. Well, first of all, good call out there. Coming back to your earlier comments around building that support network, I can only really endorse everything you just said there. And as far as Connor Bedard goes, uh, congratulations to you and the Blackhawks on winning the Bedard lottery, by the way. <laughs> I did not expect it. There was a whole lot of uh, skepticism in the in the city that day, but uh, it was a quite a joyous occasion when we pulled that card. Awesome, Jeff. For folks listening that would like to check out Better Vision, uh, get their hands on the product and or get in touch with yourself or the team, where can you point them towards to do all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So we are live in the App Store at this point. Uh, Better Vision, B-E-T-T-O-R is the only thing that I will call out. So check us out. Please download. Uh, you can find out more information at bettervision.us and really email me at any any point. My email is Jeff. I'm one of those G-E-O-F-F -F characters, but Jeff at bettervision.us. I would love to talk to anyone who has any questions. Awesome. Well, look, Jeff, I've really enjoyed this and I can really only thank you again for being such a good sport and being willing to, to talk about the, the uncomfortable side of being an entrepreneur, uh, which, which happens to all of us. So really appreciate that and really wishing you and the team all the best for the rest of the year ahead and look forward to continuing to follow the story. Thanks so much, Jesse. Keep up the great work. You've become an institution in the industry. And uh, again, thank you for everything you do.